Hello, and welcome to Liberate Your Soul, a podcast designed to quiet the inner imposter, awaken you to truths known within all of us, so that you can discover your purpose, heal heart wounds, and find where you fit in to feel whole and allow you to make positive, lasting impact on the world. I'm your host, Kelly Pierce, a certified business and personal coach. I help top performers find their authentic selves in order to come from a confident decision-making place. As a fellow seeker, I have found that liberating the soul enables anyone to transition from anxiety to acceptance. It is my hope to provide you with inspiration and tools to help you feel confident, joyful, and loved. To learn more or to connect with me, go to www.quantumhighways.com. Good morning, good afternoon, or good night. (laughs) If you've ever watched The Truman Show, you know that that's where I got that from. Today I'm going to talk to you about all sorts of things, bodhisattva, emotions, breath work, ego, soul missions, it's all a process. I'm so excited to be bringing this information to you today. I have such renewed energy and I think you can tell by the silliness with which I started this episode in my greeting and I hope that in the small moments of your days that you can have some joy and love and maybe even some peace if it's in a hot cup of coffee like I have to my left or a kitty cat which I also have to my further left on the floor whatever it may be that you have some joy. When I was speaking the other day with my husband about some really challenging issues in my childhood, I was letting him know that it was really about kind of like a snow globe that I, I'm like really fragile in a way and my emotions get all riled up and crazy and I need some time for them to calm down once I get shaken up. And I think that most people are like that. It's just how much snow do you have in your globe and how long does it take for you to calm down when you're in a storm? Also, maybe how thick is your glass if you've been dropped before? So today, Bodhisattva, in early Mayan Buddhism is Uh, Bodhisattva is a person who's able to reach nirvana, but delays doing so out of compassion in order to save suffering beings. You may know this, you may not, but I studied Buddhism for four years and practiced it as well during my studies. While I was practicing, I was still praying because I was a good raised Catholic girl, but I understood the premise of nirvana and reaching it through the paths of um, the 12 journeys and it's a very complicated process and there's a oath that you take in early Buddhism to be on the path. The Bodhisattva in early Buddhism is 
any person who's on the path towards Buddhahood. In the early Buddha schools, a bodhisattva is anyone who's made a resolution to become a Buddha and has also received a confirmation or prediction from a living Buddha that this will be so. And this is according to Wikipedia. So now, my name's Kelly. I think we've met if you've heard any of my other episodes. And you know that I talk a lot about peace. I talk a lot about inviting the calm to come in. And I talk a lot about making yourself a living, breathing, peaceful being. What I haven't talked to you about are all of the times that I've been spoken to or of or directly told about my path in life by maybe what you might call living Buddhas or people with the Buddha mindset. And it's just so beautiful to be able to speak to you about it today. Knowing that (laughs) the path of enlightenment is fraught with ego (laughs) and I am still a human being in a living body with normal worldly thoughts and hormones and adrenal responses, reactionary things that happen, it's important that I remember to have grace for myself and breathe. I have this t-shirt. It's got breathe on it. It's a yoga shirt. You guys might know that I do yoga on a regular basis. And it's really a good grounding exercise. And there's a, a, the yoga actually means bringing to, in Sanskrit, bringing body and mind together. So when we center ourselves and we bring ourselves together and we get, collect our thoughts, collect our oneness, the external with the internal, it's what we're doing in yoga. It's beautiful. I, I love to do that. So, speaking of Bodhisattva, on the path to Buddhahood, what was Buddha? He was enlightened. He had reached nirvana in a physical state. He had reached this peaceful, blissful, beautiful path of least resistance, if you follow law of attraction, and he had just been able to be happy, whether he had one grain of rice or thousands of gold coins, the Buddha could have it all. What we don't have today is a true understanding of, in this life, the challenges that we are moved to this scattered energy like a snow globe is what actually leads us to understand the stillness that is the dichotomy of being alive versus dead. When we chill out for days and we're just calm and we're in our own energy and we have nothing interfering with us, we can still have our feathers ruffled, if you will, by our thoughts. Because consciousness is really all we have control over, so to speak. And even then, we don't necessarily have the wild beast tamed, the wild beast being our mind, unless we have practice. 
And that's what the Buddha and Buddhism and even Taoism, if you've studied that, have done or have endeavored to do is to teach the practitioners how to calm the mind, how to settle the snow in the globe, how to keep the peaceful energy to be compassionate, loving, kind, equal, empathy. It's just important to take that breath and let it out. Take that breath and let it out. And as you breathe, being the breath and nothing more and nothing less. In other religions or theologies or if you study the Jewish Kabbalah, the uh, living God is one who cannot be named. It is everything and everywhere. And even early Christianity speaks of Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, God. And it's really pronounced, it's a breath. It's all connected and all points back to the same thing. That we are both a eternal being and a temporal being having an eternal experience. So when we have our emotional storms, our snow globes are shaken up by whatever happens, what we can do is return to the breath. It's really that simple. Strange, I know. It seems like the hardest thing to do when you've been in a agitated state, whether it's due to conflict or fear or startling or whatever it might be in your life that's just happened to you. But that's what you do. (laughs) So one of the self-help gurus of our day, Tony Robbins, talks about fear and anxiety versus excitement being the same. One just doesn't have the breath. So he says, fear is just excitement without the breath. And I've talked to a few of my clients about this when they have anxiety, because me suffering from anxiety myself, I have to continually remind myself of this. And oftentimes, if I'm going into a situation which I know will provoke my anxiety or be full of multiple energies that I just have no control over, I will slip that breathe t-shirt on faster than you know what. I don't care if it's a high dress-up event. I'll put on maybe a um, fancy like cover over the top or something, but I just put the t-shirt on as a reminder and my husband will say, honey, look at your shirt. (laughs) (laughs) It works, I'm telling you. So when I feel my energies getting higher and my breath getting more shallow, it's in my chest area, I take a deeper breath. And then maybe it's down to the middle of my breastplate and I take a deeper breath still and it goes down to my lungs and then I take a belly breath, a Buddha breath. Seriously, going down to your belly. 
Our reactionary responses to stress or fearful situations are really fight, flight, or freeze. And it kicks into high gear our brain, our pupils get more dilated, our adrenals kick out adrenaline, which is why they're called adrenal glands, and it it stimulates a whole series of processes in our body that's like cortisol and um you know, the opposite of oxytocin and all of the uh, the nice hormones. It's the ones that make us able to either react um, by fighting quickly and, you know, terminally if need be, or flighting, moving quickly and getting out of the situation to safety, or freezing. Some people recognize that it's not worthy of a response or you you need to be very still in the case of a predator that is much stronger than you and so that's what you do right when we have control of our mind and our breath and our thoughts and our emotions a little bit better maybe we've cleared some of the snow out of our globe to clear to keep the analogy going the snow doesn't stop from being shaken up it's a it's a stir but perhaps it's less snow is kicked up and it takes less time to settle down but the body still has those reactionary responses it's universal it's part of the human condition so breath is the fastest way to achieve peace it still takes at least 15 to 30 minutes to fully calm the adrenals down and it could take longer than that to get clarity of thought. You can distract yourself, you can go for a walk, you can move your body and move the energy away from you. You can use modalities such as Reiki or Qigong or Tai Chi in order to transmute the energy that was negative into positive energy, which is extremely beneficial for moving it quickly. But you still must deal with the situation that caused the response in the first place. Simply denying it and suppressing it and rejecting it is not warranted. Like, it's not a path to peace. That's just a path to suppression and spiritual bypassing, which we'll get into in a whole nother episode. Um, spiritual bypassing is, I give a whole lesson on it. It's, it's amazing what we can deny ourselves through just bypassing it with spiritual modalities but when we chill for days and we think about the situation from a more calm space we can measure our responses to the situation we can think about all of the reactions that are more beneficial for our long-term peace we can think about the situations responses for our family for our soul mission for the good of all and in the bodhisattva um, kind of response the the one who is on a path to help all to enlightenment we tend to take longer and we tend to try and think about what is for the highest good. Also on the shaman path, we have an oath to 
act for the highest good, not necessarily in our own personal interest, but for the highest good, not even in the other person's interest, but for the highest good. So maybe we're forced to react quickly in the moment, but we must take action. We don't owe anyone anything, but our soul always knows what our mission is. Our mission is to help others. Our mission is to help others stop their suffering. The bodhisattvas is to help others stop their suffering. So being a bodhisattva, we must measure our responses and take care in order to be the best and highest good, not necessarily for one being, but for all beings. Because on a soul mission, we've been brought down to this being, to this physical being, in order to educate, even if it's to educate ourselves as we are on the path to enlightenment, to peace, to reach constant peace, is always to be in the best and highest good interest of the all. Now, I could go off on a tangent and talk about how all is one and one is all, but I won't do that today. I want to talk to you a little bit about Elisa Romero's Meet Your Soul book. It was so interesting to me about how she speaks about your soul mission and the meeting of your soul and merging with one soul. It was really, really powerful. I highly recommend it. It's a great read. Um, There's plenty of books similar to it, but one uh, passage of here, actually two, in chapter 21, um, it speaks about having this soul truth and worrying about being judgmental. And she says, don't deny your soul's truth for fear of being considered judgmental. As opposed to the clean vision of spirit, the soul is filled with opinions, feelings, and divine judgments. This is because the soul has a specific agenda for your life and needs to be able to translate the information to the ego. When we have our ego, it is what makes us who we are as a personality. It's what formulates our preferences and keeps us in our humanity. It's what makes us who we are separate from a universal spirit and that Christ consciousness, the unity consciousness, all that is. However, there's another passage in here that says about how when Jesus talks about uh, going into the house of um, the den of thieves, I suppose. But it says here, um, many religious individuals carry the common misunderstanding that Jesus was passive. Never confuse his love with the softness that results from avoidance. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, Christianity has a huge effect on our heavily Christian culture, which influences our collective psychology. I think Jesus might have marched back to the house of her father in a state of fierce grace. With no denial of the truth, he would confront the situation and allow love to stream through him regardless. He would not allow his ego to block the love of the universe, 
but he would also not deny the darkness present. You cannot heal what you do not choose to see. Repression and denial will never move us out of the dark. It's really fantastic here because speaking about repression and denial and not blocking the truth, seeing the true nature of things and what they are for what they are. She's talking about really confronting survivors of abuse here and when she was working in on a suicide hotline how just from hearing one word hello she was able to make a judgment her mind her soul understood through one word that this person meant her harm and similarly my intuition doesn't usually fail me i'm able to discern someone's intentions from one word (laughs) when they leave a voice message or if they have a, a request of me however they phrase it the soul knows your intuition knows when you're walking through a you know dark alley at night which hopefully you don't do too often if you're a woman but you, you get those hairs standing on the back of your neck and you know that maybe you should turn around and go the other way, even if it is a shortcut. The soul knows what's best for you, for your longevity, to reach your mission, to do the things that are important to you, not necessarily that are the acceptable moral standards of the day, to the general public, but what is acceptable morally for you and your eternity mindset and for your creator. Now, when we have the situations presented to us and we have our snow globe shaken up and we have our breath calming us down, we can remind us ourselves that we're alive through these situations that are upsetting, that are ruffling our feathers, reactionary responses, but we don't owe anyone anything. Our soul always knows what is best for our mission. When we protect our soul mission over and above, and in the most recent case that I can think of, I forgot and I went against my soul a third time like the first time was when I accepted this something from someone the second time was when I um, continued to accept and the third time was when I gave an explanation and we don't even if it's measured response even if it's calculated to formulate um Uh, perfect um, target mission (laughs) accomplished our soul knows but we need to make sure that it's it's not too powerful it's not too weak or avoidant it's it's just right that it's just right for the soul for 
itself. It's not necessarily always the bodhisattva. It's it's it doesn't always have to be about everyone and the greater good and the mission. It can just be for itself. Now I know I'm speaking in riddles and that's okay. <laughs> but what is really important, the meat of this message is you don't always have to do everything for everyone else. It can be just for yourself. It can be just simply calming down your emotions, letting go, reminding yourself that you're alive, breathing, and moving forward. Not every single thing in life is about enlightening all or moving forward with the entire human condition. Inviting in the calmness and inviting in the spirit of all that is can be all that is necessary. When you go against what your soul is really crying out for, when your soul cries out, just move forward and move on and let it go, you should listen. <laughs> Trust me. Because if you don't, then you're and you already have moved on and then months later somebody comes and shakes up your globe again and demands something from you and you give in because you're like, "Oh, well, maybe maybe they're ready to hear this now." And it's like, "Oh, why did you think they were? You knew they weren't from the moment that they requested something of you in the first place. It's just going to like pit your tummy in knots and you're just going to feel it like, why did I bother? I wasted my time even formulating something, but yet at the same time, it's okay because you cut those ties and you moved on. <laughs> As we move forward, I'm going to go ahead and give you an exercise for when you've felt like the snow globe of your emotions has been just shaken up and you can't calm it down. And it, it, this thing is like a popcorn kernel stuck in your teeth and you can't stop it. First of all, give yourself a pat on the back. You're alive. It's normal. Take a nice, deep, deep breath and let it out. And the next breath that you take in, just imagine is divine light, whatever color of healing light you need. It might be golden, silver. It might be a glittery, perfect, ethereal, whichever color is perfect. And as you breathe in through the crown of your head, just allow it to penetrate your body and breathe in. Swirl it through the base of your neck and exhale any negativity. Take another nice deep breath in of that divinity and let it spread throughout your chest and your heart. And allow compassion to fill you and exhale compassion. Compassion for the situation, for the person, just breathe it in and out again. Compassion for yourself, for being human, because we're all here and we're all here together. Another deep breath and allow this one to go all the way to your belly. 
your low back, just filling yourself with love and peace. As you exhale, exhale any stress or anxiety you might have that this will come up again, just let it go. Take another deep, deep breath. Let it fill to your hips, your thighs, the back of your knees, and exhale any darkness that remains or is stagnant. Take another nice deep breath, this time all the way down to your ankles and the soles of your feet, filling yourself with the light of the divine and the peacefulness that surpasses all understanding. And just let go any worry. Take another deep, deep breath and just let it swirl all around you, inside and outside, and just surround yourself with peace and protection. And just know that this situation can never hurt you, that you can rise above it, that you can be bigger and better and greater, that you will learn something from this, that you've moved past it. Take another nice deep breath. And this time I want you to move your arms out wide, stretch your shoulders, move your back. And just remember that you are who you are for a reason, that you have something much bigger than this to accomplish in your life, that this is just one simple skip on a still pond. And you will be better than this. You have learned something, or maybe you've taught something, but you are okay. You're safe. You're loved eternally, and your soul is untouched by this. Coming back to yourself, another deep breath, just let it out and feel that peace and that love, that reminder that you're alive, bringing reminders to your eyes and your feet remembering what you're wearing, where you are. And as you continue in your beautiful snow globe, <laughs> just admire other people's, right? That they are their own beings as well, having their experiences and they are fighting their own battles. They might have an inordinate amount of snow in there and have a hard time seeing. But the best thing that you can do is take care of your own. I hope this is helpful. I hope that you are able to take this exercise and use it the next time that you feel ruffled or upset or stressed or frightened. And just remember that you're always protected. You're always loved. And there's nothing that's ever going to stop that. Until next time, take care.